0: I'm a feminist, but I was late to the stage right now when the stage manager called me because I was backstage grilling Sally Phillips for backstage gossip about Bridget Jones Diary 3.
2: (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I hesitated before suggesting that we should try and get Caitlin Moran on this podcast because I was afraid that she was going to out-feminist us. (laughs) Why? But then I suggested it, yeah. like a hero.
0: <laughs> Overcoming. She totally would out feminists. us. <laughs> she would. I'd be all right with it then. I'd be okay. Now oh. I'm okay with it. I'm a feminist, but yesterday I had to make a self-tape for an audition. And so I went into MAC and asked the lady to demonstrate makeup on me, including false eyelashes, so I could fool the people into thinking that I was flawless
2: did it work? Oh, sorry. (laughs) And it worked. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I have genuinely never had a good, no, I've genuinely never had a not horrible female cab driver. And I blame myself Because I think that she can feel that I put a lot of pressure on her (laughs) to be the best cab driver I've ever had. I think that she can feel that I'm just going, represent, please represent, and she's just going to get all, (laughs) I don't stand for all women, I'm like, I know, but please don't fuck up. And then she hits the curb, I'm like, fuck's sake. You know
0: that's how audiences feel about female comedians. I know,
2: that's why it's, but this is a safe space no one is judging me right now oh they're judging they're judging i feel so bad i just want one good one
0: i'm a feminist but yesterday i spent a hundred pounds in mac out of guilt because i would wasted a lady's time
2: (laughs) i'm a feminist and i don't think that looks matter at all but I'm really scared that if Putin looked like Justin Trudeau and Trump looked like Chugo Umuna and Nigel Farage looked like Barack Obama, that I might vote differently. <laughs> Though.
0: that's a scary thought but it's, we do have the hotties don't we the yeah that's a really good point mm-hmm. i think there are really good reasons why nigel farage could not look like barack obama
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh but imagine if he did all the racists would be like <laughs> very confused very
0: confused
3: <laughs> i don't know what to do yeah
0: Live from King's Place, in London, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist So, Sophie A. Yen and Different Luxus Lights. And to
3: tonight's special guest so is Sophie
0: Bibbs talking about speech. Oh. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them.
2: <laughs> uh, what was your speech challenge, Sophie? I was thinking about what to do and then I got an email from a Danish production company and it was a sketch that they wanted me to be a part of and then I read the sketch and I was to play a fat woman, which I mean, is quite easy already, (laughs) but I was to play a fat woman sitting on an exercise bike, not really using it and I was going to be talking to the camera saying things like, ''Oh, I just want a boyfriend. I already have one boyfriend, uh, but he's like a Nigerian prince. And uh, I am keep sending him money. I haven't seen him yet, but we're totally together. I am trying to lose weight so I can find love. I do go on diets, you know, apart from on Mondays, because that's Chocolate Monday, and apart from on Tuesdays, because that's Soda Tuesday, and apart from...'' And I was just reading these eight pages going, ''This is the worst thing. <laughs> this is like a hate crime against me. <laughs> this is horrible.'' So I thought, usually I would be a bit scared of saying anything. Because you know? like, it's Denmark, it's a Danish circuit, I don't want to make anyone upset, but I thought, I can't have this. So I emailed the production company and said, if I'd seen this as a 15-year-old girl who did exercise, who did go to spinning classes, if I'd seen that on TV, that would have devastated me. So no, I will not participate in this sketch. It's not going to happen. And then... Oh, no. <laughs> It wasn't a sacrifice. I'm doing quite well. But. <laughs> but then I got an email back from the writers who were like, you know, like colleagues, we're a bit friends, but not like really tight. And um, <laughs> and he said, um, we're really sorry if we've made you sad. Hmm. It was never our intention. We're going to take another look at the sketch. And I said, oh, hi, uh, thank you for, for answering. Um yeah i mean i'm not sad i'm just i would have been sad if i was to see it i just want to maybe tell you that you, you should maybe try and not have a 100 percent white straight middle class male writers team because if you're ever to write roles for women people of color people with disabilities people of all other like sexualities than you how how are you gonna be able to do that he then told me why it's funny. You see, it's funny, because she's fat. Because I, I hadn't understood that in my teeny tiny head. Um, and he told me it's funny because she's desperate. You know, it's funny that she weighs too much. <laughs> oh, the wording. And then he said, we needed to be believable, uh, which it wouldn't be if she wasn't fat, because no one would believe that a thin woman couldn't find a man. my head (laughs) when I'm reading that email. And then he says um, it would be unbelievable that a woman you would find on the front cover of a men's magazine couldn't find a man even if she's stupid, annoying or unsympathetic. Is that because a lot of men are primitive? Yeah, maybe. Smiley face. Dude! Yeah. So then he said, oh but how would you feel if she was less fat? Would that make it better? Uh, And then he said, oh gee... Do you want to write some sketches? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I said, I've had to read your email a lot of times to understand if you are actually serious. <laughs> and I basically said, this preconception that Men just want to get laid, and they don't care about personality and feelings and stuff. They just want to bang. That's this, like, boys will be boys thing, and that's, that's rape culture. This is a terrifying way to think, and it's a terrifying way to portray roles in the media. Like, people are going to be watching this, and it's just not okay. And I said, it's not enough that she's just stupid, because why do you want to write a role for just a stupid woman wanting to look for a man? That's not... Okay, and I gave him a little list of female Danish comedy writers, and I said, I don't need to write the sketches, you have enough in Denmark. Then he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're just trying to understand you. And now you're calling us all rapists. Do you understand how uncomfortable it is being called a rapist? It doesn't seem like you have an interest in understanding us. It feels like you just want to misunderstand us. Now, we listened to you in the first email, but I feel like you're focusing a lot on the fact that we shouldn't hurt each other. And that's very sympathetic, but maybe you should think about how it feels to be being attacked for contributing to rape culture. We think that's unserious, unserious? Serious, Les? Do you have a way for serious? No. Nonsense. nonsense. <laughs> so, we think that's nonsense. Now, a few weeks later, he said, Oh, you never answered.
3: <laughs>
2: I hope we're cool. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> we're definitely not. I was really l- noticing how he made me emotional the whole mm. time. I was at no point emotional. I was being very, you know, factual and like just telling him these things. And he kept being like, holy. Like he, in his head, I was having like a fit and I was like screaming and shouting. And this was about my poor emotions being hurt, where actually I just really don't want people to see this because it's damaging to, to young girls. I heard a podcast about the first women which is a really interesting thing and we might I think we should do a topic at this at some point the first women who are allowed to do something you know like the first ever female comic or the first ever female scientist in a business or something that kind of gives people the permission to then be even more sexist because it's like oh we've already proven that we've let a woman in So then the next woman, there can be like a bit more, oh, no, no, we've allowed her, so we're not sexist anymore. Mm. So if they were to hire me, that's their way of going, oh, no, no, we have a woman on the team. And then I wouldn't be allowed to really speak up because I should just be really grateful that they hired me because they wouldn't have done that in the first place. So you're their insurance policy against being called sexist. Yeah, they're like well, we offered you a job, we can't be sexist, so do you also want to play the, the fat girl who can't get laid? <laughs> like, no, I've played that for a long time.
0: <laughs> well, I think that was a challenge well done, that you stood up and you continued to write back until you didn't. And what was interesting is when you didn't, they then started to go, why isn't she written back? Why isn't she written back? Yeah, their poor and the little feelings were hurt. Yeah, I feel very sad for them. Um, but sometimes not writing back actually like, worried them more. Yeah. sometimes at a certain point yeah because I um, think
2: they just it feels like when they start explaining like oh no no you didn't understand why it's funny <laughs> like I'm not going to change my mind the more you tell me oh no no this is why it's funny like that's not going to mm. change it but they kept warning me to go oh I'm good now it's fine you know like they see pointing out sexism as like an annoying thing like oh Jesus that woman I, is yapping I find again I when there's a really strong
0: reaction to an interaction like that it's because they know like, they don't actually have a strong reaction if they think, I think it's all fine. They just kind of go, OK, well, that's your opinion. I very, very casually uh, suggested that a project with no women could use a woman. <laughs> and that did not go down well at all. And there was a big emotional reaction. And I think that's often the case that the production team kind of know.
2: I don't, I, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe here, but in Denmark, I think it's them being scared that I'm going to take away their privilege. Because that's mm-hmm. me saying you shouldn't just be assumed on a writer's team, you know. And that's me kind of insinuating that, you, you know, we've heard you. Yeah. You know, we are we basically
0: handing out little tiny Santa hats to the turkeys and getting the crackers out. What?
3: <laughs>
0: oh, that's, Wait, what? That, sorry, that's an English idiom. Um, we, Is the, it though? Is that an idiom? No, no, no. I'm Handing t- out little paper hats no, to the turkeys. <laughs> no, 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 no that's, what that's... The- no, no, that's a, I was hinting at an idiom. I was going a long way round an idiom. There's, so there's a, the idiom is the turkeys are voting for Christmas. So all of the turkeys, if you say to the turkeys, shall we oh, have right. Christmas, they all say no. Yes, okay. So if you, if you take an all-male board and say, should we let any women in, they all look at each other and go, well, I'm not voting... To be have my head chopped off for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. So what I was saying is, you're passing around little Santa hats to the turkeys because i was kind of finding a cute oh, way of implying. Yeah. Oh no, nobody got it. It wasn't just the <laughs> Danish. I really person. wish I did though, because that's no, no, quite it's nice. cute, isn't it? It's
2: cute. That is what yeah. you're doing. You're basically, just going, oh, mm-hmm. you're no longer wanted, and I feel so okay with saying that to to that writers team. Not just because I don't like some of them. <laughs> I mean, the people who wrote me were quite nice, and I actually quite like them as people, but there are other people in that writer's team. where I was like, oh, I hope you're the one who gets fired. Uh, the worst thing about this is, and I don't want to say who it is and stuff, but the program was basically, that I'd read the biog for the, the show, like the press release, and it was a show about like representation of Danish people. I know, oh, wow. I know. It was so heartbreaking, because it's going to get made. Like this, I can't stop that. I'm going to see that just with another like just a, another fat girl playing that part, and it's just going to happen, and oh, it, it frustrates me so much. I don't know what to do once it comes out. But I think the more... Petitions. <laughs> but, but this is where speech is powerful, though, because sometimes you feel like
0: you're putting yourself out of work by challenging them, because then they, they don't want to work with you because you're difficult. Mm. And the more people who challenge it, the more women who say, no, that's not OK... Uh, that's All a really un- negative. The more women and men who question that and go, "Is that a, a stereotype? We really want to perpetuate again."
2: The production leader was female. The one who wrote me in the first place was female. I was like, "How are you even sending this to another woman?" Yeah, but of, course, mean, of was, course Of course the person. It's not you men, women. Back, it's sexism, feminism. I yeah, do know yeah, that. Yeah, yet, no, still. Of course the person who
3: emailed you back was female. A mum would have written back. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Welcome
0: to the stage, Deborah Francis White. Okay, so this episode is about speech, speech, the way we speak, the way we speak. I, uh, I'll be honest with you, I haven't always spoken like this. I was born and raised in Australia. I know I don't sound especially Australian, but I read a lot of Ina Blyton as a child and I picked up the accent from the books. (laughs) is of course a joke i make uh, quite regularly it's not true i was in fact sent to elocution lessons as a child um uh, now when i was growing up in australia like in the 80s it was still very common to do what was done here in britain in the 1950s which is to send your child to a teacher so that you would sound less like your own family um because here if you wanted to be a performer in britain you know in the, in the middle of the 20th century you would have to go and learn so that you could say hello, it's BBC Home Service. And and someone had to teach you to do that. And so I was sent off to elocution lessons where, and I remember, this is the first ever lesson I did. This is what I learnt to say. A pure vowel is shaped in the mouth and has one sound from start to finish. The outgoing air passes freely out of the mouth as the sound is formed. (laughs) remember saying it, what I probably said was a pure vowel, the shape of the mouth is one sound from start to finish. Yeah, Yeah, pass pretty out of the mouth. The sound is formed. What I'm saying is there are no pure vowels in Australia. No pure vowels at all. All of, the fa- all of the vowels in Australia are impure. They all sound like this and so what happened is when my vows got purer and purer, uh, I was bullied in the playground. Children would run around me going, you sound like a pom, you sound like a pom, you're a great big pom, you're a great big pom. And I'd go, no, 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 I've never been to England. And they'd say, oh no, 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 I've never been to England. So basically my parents paid to have me bullied. And when I got here, I probably sounded pretty Australian. I'm basically Muriel from Muriel's wedding. And I think that's what we need to understand. I've just travelled further and stayed away for longer. from when I first got here, I did. To be fair, I just let my accent go, really, um, because otherwise people keep explaining things to you um, when you're first here. <laughs> like, for example, they would say to you, "So Guy Fawkes Night um, is when you have a big bonfire and you burn the guy and who tried to blow the house apart." And this, and you go, "Yeah, yeah, well, we have that. We have that in <laughs> Australia. It's the same. as Commonwealth. So we have that. We have that tradition. That tradition." And then they go, so the Queen um, is our... Mo- yeah, 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 no, no, we have that. So, so, so Easter is, is when our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We have that. We have that. I remember once actually driving past a church with there were two old ladies in the car, and they said, oh, now that church is where the Bronte sisters went to church. Do you know who the Bronte sisters are? And I said, oh, yeah, I've got all their albums. <laughs> Now I also sounded very different when I was in Australia um, because when I left Australia I was still a Jehovah's Witness. I was Jehovah's Witness from when I was 14 to when I was in my early 20s. I'm atheist now, but I have lots of friends who are religious and who are living very happy lives. But the Jehovah's Witnesses, I believe, are a cult. That is because they will not let you leave with your dignity intact. There's a rule, no friends outside the Jehovah's Witnesses, and the punishment for leaving is shunning. So it leaves you slightly isolated. So when I was a Jehovah's Witness, I was taught very carefully how to go around and knock on doors and persuade people that they were wrong. About everything. There are scarier ways to meet me than this. I could be at your front door on a Sunday morning. You could be in a bathrobe. I could be telling you about the paradise earth in which we will all spend time together passing fruit to each other in national dress which are the depictions in the watchtower. So we were taught, we had a school, we were taught how to persuade people and you'll see the Jehovah's Witnesses now, they knock on your door and increasingly stand at tube stations trying to convince you uh, that Armageddon's coming. And so they're all taught really how to persuade you because of course, it's a difficult thing to persuade somebody of. And so, you know, now I, I would never do that, of course. But I mean, I have to admit, I am, I'm, I mean, my background suggests I am partial to a cult. no, <laughs> I'm not saying the Guilty Feminist is a cult. But I am saying 200 of you have come out on a Monday night to sit in rows facing this way, and people have started asking for T-shirts. I leave it to you. But if I am in any way the deputy head of this cult, Sophie Hagen is very much the head of this cult.
3: Look at her. (laughs)
2: take that. you enjoy right. that? Yeah. <laughs> what was your
0: challenge, Deborah? So I do a thing when I go in to do diversity and inclusion work. I have this speech exercise that I do with women in business. It's called Stop Your Qualifying. The women talk to each other for about a minute on something that they feel strongly about, but they don't really care about. So you could talk about if you've watched every season of X Factor and you're meant to do it without qualifying. So basically... What's qualifying? Any word that knocks the edge off or says, hey, this is just an opinion. So say you're in a meeting and somebody says, well, it's obvious, isn't it? We've got to expand it Singapore. Is that a man or a woman usually? You're in a meeting and somebody says, I don't know if it's worth mentioning, but I just had a thought about Singapore on this one. And I know possibly it's not the right time to pop it on the table, but I just thought I'd mention it in case it was useful. It probably isn't, but is that a man or a woman usually? (laughs) The thing is, if I ask 200 men in business that, they know the answer too. They know we do that. It's partly socially conditioned, partly a manifestation of empathy. I honestly think it's a manifestation of empathy because... It's just to say, hey, I'm not going to get into some kind of huge confrontation. I'm going to take your feelings into account, which is a really positive, lovely thing. Again, I don't want to be like, we should all be like men and just go, obviously, we've expanded to Singapore and anyone who says otherwise is a moron. Because that's not (laughs) a useful strategy either. Because then someone in the corner who thinks, I happen to know that Singapore actually right now is just going to go up in flames, doesn't speak up. So neither of those strategies are truly useful. But the one that I'm focusing on is the one in which we just tell the other person, don't bother listening to this because then that's the story. And it is about empathy. At a dinner party, I notice that a woman might say, I'm not sure Simon Cow's a very nice man. Because then if the person opposite them then says, well, actually, he's the godfather of my child, they can then say, oh, well, I wasn't sure he was a very nice man and now, now I know that he is. Whereas I notice, again, as a trend, a man will say, Simon Cowell's a wanker. And then when the person opposite says, he's the godfather of my child... He'll say, why? He's a wanker. (laughs) (laughs) Because there isn't that same desire always, as a trend, to avoid a confrontation. I notice that, again and again, men present their opinion as fact and women present fact as their opinion. The reason I want to combat that is because... We are working in a very male environment a lot of the time. And so the male ideas get through because they're presented as excellent and top draw, even if they've just thought of them. And the female ideas sometimes, which are of better quality, don't get through because it's being presented as just just a little thing I just thought of, probably not worth mentioning. And when you know full well they've been working on it for six months and it's their life and passion. So this is my game. I talk for a minute or 60 seconds, 30 seconds or something. A minute or 60 seconds. I mean, even that.
4: What the fuck is that? (laughs) No need. Uh,
0: And if you hear me qualifying, so saying, I think, possibly, maybe, um, it could be, any word that knocks the edge off me speaking in a polarised fashion, you have to shout, stop, you're qualifying, maybe, or the word that you heard. I'm going to play the game now, but someone has to give me a topic to talk about. Plucking my eyebrows. Well, that's interesting. Oh, okay. All right. I'll give it a go. Mm -hmm. I was thinking something more about my career and selling myself.
2: (laughs) But I'll go with plucking my eyebrows. Okay. And then if you you say something, hmm, then we all shout at you. You shout, stop, you're qualifying. It's a live challenge.
0: I didn't used to pluck my eyebrows. And at one point, I noticed that they were unruly. And because I was not yet as good a feminist as I am now, because it was the 90s and nobody was... So you have to shout... You can't just groan at me. You have to shout, stop, I'm qualifying, and shout the thing at me.
3: You
2: can't blame the bloody 90s for everything. I can't blame the bloody 90s for everything. So because I was
0: not a good enough feminist... Despite the 90s brilliantly teaching me how, (laughs) I went and had my eyebrows plucked. And that became a habit that I wanted to see my eyebrows shaped nicely. More recently, because I didn't like waxing my eyebrows, I decided to have my eyebrows threaded. I'm a feminist, but I do threading is the most painful thing you can possibly imagine. Has anyone else done threading? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yes? What stop? Oh, I, I did. You oh. can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. Is that...
2: I have no idea. It's
0: the most painful thing anyone can imagine. I'm finding this quite easy because I'm really talking about threading. I'm not talking about myself.
2: I feel like it's is qualifying because you're kind of justifying it, aren't you? Instead of saying, I fucking do that thing with your eyebrows that I've just heard of. exists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put threads through my eyebrows. <laughs> Instead, you're going, oh, it's because I'm, not a, bad fem- I'm a bad feminist. I see it's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay,
0: mean, I'm going to try and pitch it again. Okay, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm talking around in circles. I'm trying to distance myself from the threading. I'm trying to apologise for it. I feel judged by the audience because I think they think you're not a feminist if you thread. No, you're justifying having justified. Yeah, no,
2: sure. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go again.
0: I like having my eyebrows shaped. Fuck you all. yeah I really don't think that's the way either but it was fun I think I think Um, this is a really good game to play though and if you play it with this many people you find that about six people in the room can do it without qualifying and every other woman who tries to do it they can't not qualify for a minute and if I play it with men I've honestly had men turn to me and say what's the game (laughs) And that's a lot of the way we're trained to speak. I'm not saying this is about being a woman, um, but it's the way that we're trained to do this. We're trained to be polite. We teach our little girls to be lovely and be nice and be sweet and make friends. And it's worth playing that game for a minute a day. I find that people who play a minute a day get really good at going into a meeting. It's like a muscle. You work it out at the gym and you go to a meeting and your brain goes, oh, I know this. This is the thing where I
3: don't undermine everything I say. (laughs)
1: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day. All for just five dollars. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get fifty percent off your first card at Moonpig.com.
2: Moonpig.com.
0: You may know her from Miranda. You may know her from Smack the Pony. You may know her because she's recently been playing a Scandinavian politician on Veep.
4: What? And uh,
0: you might know her from Bridget Jones' Diary. Uh, She's a wonderful writer, actor, and activist. Ladies and gentlemen, Sally
4: Phillips. Hey there. Hey. Welcome. Hey, I also went to primary school in Australia. Did you? Yeah. Wow, where did you go? that? I, I went to Queenwood Girls School in Sydney. Oh, that oh. sounds posh. Oh, someone in Sydney just went, oh. Oh, well, yeah,
2: was it? Did when, you, did you but
4: I had to... an Australian accent there. Did you? I got an Australian accent and couldn't kick it. And then when we came back to the UK, got bullied because the English teacher oh. was Australian. <sighs> and they thought that I was trying to suck up to her. <gasps> <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So yeah. you were
0: applauded for having an Australian accent. I yeah. For having an English I accent. I know. Check that. Wow. But the Australian,
4: amazing. my Australian classmates were incredibly welcoming of me. They called me Sir Richard. <laughs> Why? I don't oh, know, Sir Richard. They called. Me <laughs> what, like, I was the only child in my class who couldn't get up a rope. <laughs> and then I came back to the UK and I was the best in my class at sport, having oh, really? been the worst. <laughs> Well, Australia,
0: that, yeah. That does figure, if you're yeah. the worst in your class in Australia at sport, you will be the best yeah. in Britain. <laughs> <laughs>
4: that is... That's is, right, where so it went with me, television. anyway.
0: So your experience with speech, because you've played some amazing roles. For example, Sharon in Bridget Jones' diary, she's very, very sweary. Yeah. And I sometimes think women are criticised for swearing in a way that men aren't. Did you feel... Did, how did you approach Sharon as a very... Because she basically says... You know, fuck the fuck
4: off. You're getting in the fucking car. It just doesn't feel like swearing, um, Shaz, really. I I mean, it just feels like she's saying very when you're. (laughs) (laughs) She's just somebody who just, that's how she says very. Because she doesn't really vary this. Or in the first two films, she didn't didn't really vary the swearing. It was come the fuck on, Bridget. It was just. But with my own personal swearing, (laughs) I I kind of go in and out of it. It feels like it's, you know, comes in tides. You know, there's all seasons, and um, recently, as I've been getting older, I've become a bit concerned that I come across as a kind of, you know, you know those m- like middle-aged predatory, <laughs> predatory women who are a bit drunk, who are trying to score with younger men by saying "can't." <laughs> and so I was, it's a bit like, you know, like. Blonde is quite a hard fake hair colour to maintain, like sometimes I go to the hairdressers and I come out looking like I play golf, (laughs) Just, just something about blonde you can get it wrong so easily and I think with swearing you can get it wrong so easily as well, like it can just somehow seem a bit desperate. But so truly imaginative swearing in any mouth, I think, is a praiseworthy thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're right. A mildly swearing in, the, yeah. you know, the thick of it um, mm. is incredibly inventive and creative. Mm. And you know, they cast lived a lot of that sort of stuff. In fact, do you? You're in Veep. Do they do that as well in Veep? Do they? Uh, do they live a lot?
4: Yeah. I'm playing a character called Minna Hakkanen, who was the Prime Minister of Finland, tragically lost the election, and was then campaigning to become the head of the IMF. And the last episode I did, it wasn't totally clear whether, I think she did become head of the IMF, though that wasn't mentioned. And she's, <laughs> <laughs> and she's now, she was helping uh, the United States out with a a deal with the Chinese
0: what I liked about your character was that she was very this is both cross-cultural and very female she's very Scandinavian she says like um so I am menopausal you are menopausal too now and the president is American and goes no 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 and then her bag man is going "Yes, yeah, she is <laughs> like you would never in Britain say to someone you're menopausal would, no? you
4: <laughs> would you a uh, Well, know? actually, you know, I think she won't mind me saying this. Dean McKeon, every single pitch meeting we do, goes in and says, Yeah, I'm through the menopause now. I'm so <laughs> with that that's a really bad opener we're never going to sell anything if we have to start with talking about your menopause <laughs> she, open with I'm she opens with that she's been opening for a few years with i'm menopausal the sweats man <laughs> the little blue pills whatever they are i don't know what they are the little blue
2: pills but i'm looking forward um. <laughs> they, they, they did this really interesting thing in um, Bob's Burgers I don't know if anyone's seen that Where when they wrote that series The little boy and the little girl I forget their names now They were originally written the other way around So once they've written the script They change the genders around So the girl is now a bit more Like a bit more she's yeah. <laughs> predatorial about the boys She's like drooling over Mm. The, the hot soccer guys <laughs> i 'm not going to say hot because they 're probably kids, but <laughs> and the boys are a lot more like sensitive and stuff and it 's really i 've often thought about that for like script writing, switch it around and Has see any, it, anyone so else had this feminist thought right about
4: sorry, talking about Scandinavian mm-hmm. dramas, the way and swapping the genders and stuff. The way, this, the way Asperger's is being used as a way of men writing female characters as men. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they're not actually writing proper ASD. They're just writing women with... <laughs> No emotional language. Oh, oh I can't. I can't hate, hate the, the way, this, way that's... De- I hate the way that's happened. Because uh, I, can you imagine an actual autistic detective? I can.
0: My <laughs> <laughs> pet hate about this is we don't want women to be vulnerable in movies and fall over and sprain their ankle and have a man carry them through the jungle anymore. So now all women are kick-ass. And the way mm. that women now are not vulnerable or not victims is that they know karate. And I just don't know any women who know karate well enough to, to fight a six-foot-four man. But what I do know is actually how great women are, and this is about speech, it's about talking their way out of things. Do you know what I mean by this?
4: Well, I live with a British jiu-jitsu champion. <laughs> <laughs> I literally do. She's a really genuinely kick-ass. And a jiu-jitsu, who knew? It was the sport of the suffragettes. It was, they, they all, really? yeah, they all learned jiu-jitsu. Well, I didn't I know this. so wrong about the kick thing. Yeah, she's, and, and what's so great for me is she can also immobilise my children.
2: <laughs> <laughs> With,
4: With jiu-jitsu? With jiu-jitsu. In- yeah. yeah. She can immobilise my, she could make them unconscious if I really wanted, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> She's really cool. She's a, a neonatal intensive care nurse who found the stresses of the job a bit much and so started going to beat men up at the weekends. <laughs> discovered she was really super good at it and now represents Great Britain. <laughs> yeah. Wow! Yeah. She's 46 and she's just in training for the world. Isn't that cool? I just think that's so wow, cool. That's amazing. And she just went and did this um, week in Cannes with like these incredibly hot Brazilian women all kicking each other to bits.
0: Do you sort of see a a variety of women who kind of can talk their way out of a situation versus kick their way out of a situation?
4: Well, I I, I suppose I I, I love the gaps in things rather than the actual words. I tend to just zone out when people talk too much. When I started doing comedy, there weren't that many women doing it. So my first role on television, pretty much, was um, in Alas, Smith & Jones. And I was in bed with Mel Smith, and it started on Mel Smith... In pajamas, and he said, oh, "I'm really sorry, love. This has never happened to me before. It must have been the drink." And then he panned over to me. He covered in vomit. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't say anything at all, right? So that's um, that's eight hundred pounds. It was fun. it was great. Uh, that's uh, that's how it. And my other role for them that season was wearing underwear. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that's how I started but I really love the way uh, women are insubordinate without words, actually. So my job would be to come in and say, Eddie Izzard, would you like a cappuccino? And then he would have a huge, long, funny speech. And the game became, can you nick it? Like, can you nick the scene? Ah! And yes, you can nick it. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can nick it by picking your handbag up a bit slowly. Laughing <laughs> or whatever, you know, you and I could see all of us girls in comedy at the time developing those survival because st- it's just completely, you know, there's no joy at all in life in turning up and just you may as well be an actual waitress, <laughs> you know. Yes, uh, and so learning to make something out of what you have, and if you have no funny lines at all, then you learn to be funny in the gaps. Uh, that was how we all felt going into Smack the Pony. I think that. We we had all learnt how to make the B character funny, and so uh, I think those sketches felt a bit different because normally you'd have a funny A character, and the B character would just be offering the coffee. And <laughs> in a lot of those sketches, then maybe the B character didn't have any laughs on the page, but they end up having laughs in the final thing just because we we had you know learnt how to do that. Ah. Oh. Oh.
0: Yeah. What's what's really interesting about that is actually you upstaged their speech with your actions. So what you were doing was like five
4: percent of the time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but, know, let's but, but honest, that was your but... trick. Was actually to do to pick your handbag up slowly or to do something funny while they were doing all the chat, chat, chat. They're oh, wait, You can also
4: doing. just not move at all. <laughs> so you just don't move at all. That's another quite good trick. Just.
2: I like that trick. <laughs> I'm going
4: to go with that for life purposes. The sedentary comedy trick. Stare at them without moving a muscle.
2: It's question time. There's a hand over there. Mm. So I've often found that a common trick to undermine feminist speech is to take the argument of oh, they can't take a joke, Um, feminists, you know, they're just so serious. Like, how do you even go about dismantling that attitude?
4: They don't tend to say that to me that much. Um, (laughs) But, 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 I am the parent of a disabled child and I have to do a bit of standing up for him. I've recently been making a documentary on prenatal screening for Down syndrome and um, it's been quite interesting because I would say nine out of ten people who have a diagnosis of Down syndrome delivered about their baby it's delivered really, really badly by a totally socially inept doctor. and if you try and explain that they're doing it, so for example, using the word risk instead of chance, that's like if you use the word risk, then I mean you don't have a risk of anything good, do you you don't have a risk mm-hmm. of winning the lottery. Us and them language, that kind of thing. So they do this. They might live long. (laughs) They might live independently. It's just not like they are part of humanity. It's like they're a strange alien. And the thing that's levelled at parents is that they're too emotional, always. Um, So exactly the same. So all the same uh, tricks in play.
0: One of the reasons I wanted to talk about speech with you tonight is is how powerful your speech is because it comes with passion and so it changes the sort of language that you're using. So you're not saying any of those things that I was talking about before, like, oh, I just I don't know if it's worth mentioning, but I just thought, because you don't have time for that. Like if Martin Luther King had said... I've kind of got a dream, I don't know if it's worth mentioning, then
2: the civil rights movement would have been
0: very different. And you're dealing with something that's civil rights, So, and you've got a personal stake in that, because you're speaking on behalf of your son. And, and I think that's it's wonderful to hear people speak, speak with that passion.
4: It's just a luxury, really, isn't it, to put yourself down, and when things are really at stake, when lives, genuinely, lives are at stake, and... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, austerity has hit the disabled community so incredibly hard, like six times harder than any other group. That's so wrong! It's interesting that you say
0: putting yourself down is a luxury. I absolutely hear that, and I think it's a catharsis. It's it's a management for other people. It's to go, I know I'm not very good, so you don't need to tell me. And it's a, it is, it's a luxury that you actually don't have when you're... But I actually them. also
4: think it's partly... So I'm interrupting you now. <laughs> Look, no, I'm taking no. charge. Look at this. Um, yeah, I also think it's a female bonding thing. I mean, I put myself down to uh, show other women I'm not going to try and shaft them, because there are women that shaft each other, sadly. I mean, I, I remember the first Bridget Jones read-through going in, and Bridget was... Bridget, say Renee, was holding two giant Toblerones, one in each hand. I thought, I love you. I just love you. Whereas, of course, that wasn't that was her trying to put on weight as Bridget. But I instantly felt Uh that this was a woman with whom I could be friends because she was holding (laughs) two enormous bars of chocolate.
0: You must have been thrilled by what you saw in the dressing room this evening, then, (laughs) because we had orders from upstairs. We had strawberries. We had yeah.
4: Um, you, did you the the I only saw the strawberries. I thought, who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I've eaten I... my chocolate. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and the, but then the um, I've, I've sort of absorbed that that makes me more uh, I don't know a- acceptable. I'm more likely to make female friends if I make jokes about myself.
2: But I've, I've also found that when I do that, and that I kind of expect people to <laughs> disagree. Like if, I, <laughs> like if I say, oh, I'm, I'm really bad at this, and people go oh, you still have time to work on it. I go, fuck you.
3: I'm, I'm really good at this.
4: What I find in my head, I mean, I do I do hear that. That definitely happens to me as well. So I expect them to return the favour by putting themselves down. <laughs> and then if they don't, then that hideous yeah. thought, I, I do it for them in my own head. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not, a good, it's not a good strategy. But, I mean, there's something a bit gross, isn't there, about... Hi, I'm brilliant at tennis.
2: <laughs> that yes, I think only I, if you're not. I genuinely think only if. Like, there's something about. It's a weird thing. You're either like arrogant or self-deprecating. There's not a realistic. Like, you know, I I can say if I say after a show that was a really 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 bad show, people say, oh, don't be so hard on yourself. And if I say after a really really good show. They'll go, oh, you, you know, come down a bit. But it's actually just like a realistic assessment. Yeah, of, you are very good.
0: I know at how kn- good. Knowing,
2: yeah, yeah, I know how good I am. And that was a terrible show, considering how good I was. or that was a really good show, considering how bad I am.
0: Yeah, you uh, are very, very good at self-assessing, but I've always taken yes, that as
2: Yes, I am. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. And actually, I, I've i been thinking about Dune McKeegan saying... Um, am I saying her name incorrectly? All these
4: years. Heaven knows. No-one has any idea. She changes it, to be fair. Know, McKeegan. Uh, McKeegan, I think yeah. it's supposed to be, yeah.
0: I want to live in a world where Dune McKeekin can, can say, I'm postmenopausal, Because I feel if men had the menopause... They'd get a badge,
3: wouldn't they? (laughs) There'd be colours,
0: there'd be shirts they could wear, there'd be a sort of mini Olympics for it, they'd be boasting about the sweats. They wouldn't have to do that in confinement, in private, and pretend it wasn't happening and pretend they were 32. They They would just be like, oh, yeah, I've got the menopause coming, I've got the... You know, they'd have manuals, they'd have coaches, they'd have... They definitely get a badge. I feel strongly about the badge. And, <laughs> and I kind of want to live in that world. And I also want to live in the world where you swearing in a pub, if a young man does think, oh, she's coming on, he would be lucky. Very lucky. If you hit on a young man who was like, you know, you're young, but, you know, God, I'm not If you hit on a 21-year-old man, like that man in the front row, he's Scandinavian, what's your name?
4: Uh, Rune. Rune. Oh, Rune. Love it. Oh yes. Are you Danish? Yeah. No, Can Danish. I tell you something that you don't know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from you might know this and you might know this, but I bet no one else in the room knows this. That one of the biggest exports from Denmark is Danish sperm. <gasps> there is a worldwide
2: rush for I'm Danish sperm. To keep it a secret. They...
4: Brune,
0: yeah.
2: is, that, is that why you're here, Rune?
0: Are you here? <laughs>
4: Are you exporting now? So, yeah, so. Uh, um, so this is what the backstage is <laughs> uh, Sperm like banks. Enough. Sperm banks, obviously, in the States, so you can know about their parents and you can kind of choose the sperm, and like people want. So here we go. I mean, what a terrifying prospect. It's kind of... What? It's like consumer... It's like consumer eugenics, though, in a weird way, isn't it? Because on our own, like, we don't need Hitler. On our own, we're choosing... We won't go quite as far as choosing German. But we want tall and blonde, really. We want a kind of Aryan-style... Progeny. I mean, isn't I think find that really frightening.
2: I think that's the best because <laughs> we, we had to end like two minutes ago. But I, then you brought up Hitler. Hashtag. We don't need Hitler. We're doing it on our own, which sort of feels slightly like the theme of the week.
0: Hashtag Brexit.
2: Uh, please uh, help us in thinking. Uh, You're doing all sorts of projects. Where can we see you? Um, Bridget Jones' Diary. Coming Bridget out? Jones'
4: Diary, I think, is coming out September. <gasps> excited. <Yeah>. And uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I don't sound that excited because they always like shoot four hours and then cut it down to ninety minutes. So n- no one has any idea if they're actually going to be in it. They just released a Bridget's going to be in it. <laughs> but they've released a trailer that I I am in, so I'm hopeful. <laughs> but, I was in Notting Hill, the trailer, and then you know, and then suddenly no longer. So, <laughs> that so bastard we'll Richard Curtis. I mean yeah.
2: I mean there's yeah. a there's a Danish sketch that if you're willing to yeah. eat some chocolate, yeah. I can get you in. <laughs> it is terrifying that whole you know
4: the things you get asked to do. We yeah. had we had someone who will remain nameless coming into pitch who's exceptionally famous now coming in to pitch sketches for Smack the Pony and I remember him going and it was basically a uh, security guard who felt women up it was a male security guard who went, have you got anything under your coat? and would then just Grope the women. <laughs> wow. And we would go, It's a women's sketch. <laughs> like so I So we're all good for so sexual assault. Would you is. would you be playing the security guard? And that was his hope. <gasps> That he um, would be playing that character. And he's player. exceptionally uh, famous
2: now. Very famous now. What his initials.
4: Let's
2: talk about Do you have anything to flag, Deborah?
0: Yes. Uh, I have a Radio 4 show which will be coming out in September and October. It's called Deborah Frances White Rolls the Dice and it's all about finding my biological family and uh, one of the new episodes is about saving someone from the Jehovah's Witnesses who wanted to get out. I've seen that show, it's amazing. It sounds good. It's exciting, yeah. Yeah, It's going to be on Radio 4 on Mondays at 11am and then I think it'll be repeated later. But you can listen on Listen Again whenever you like because that's the world we live in. (laughs) You know Alan
4: Francis, comic? He's got a very funny story about being baptised by two Jehovah's Witnesses whilst on acid. No! no, no, no. (laughs) Accidentally let them into the house. (laughs)
0: Mormons, Mormons <laughs> will
4: baptise anyone, anywhere. Jehovah's Witnesses are very good okay, He Okay, he was on acid, so maybe they were, maybe maybe they were he Mormons. Just, yeah, yes. I think it was just a dog. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If he was on <laughs> acid, how <laughs> can you say what happened? <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, dear. Listen, and I'm not disparaging Mormons. I'm just saying they will baptise you at any point. Be careful. They will, they will.
2: They'll be baptisers. So you know what I'm the about- Swedes... <laughs> it's not true. Would you like to plug anything, Sophie Hagen? I, uh, I have a new show I'm doing. It's called Shimmer Shatter, and I'm going to be taking it on tour in uh, England, in Ireland in Denmark and some places in Europe. I'm not sure where, depending on if they'll let me in or if I can get back into this country afterwards. <laughs> it all depends. We don't know. But I'm doing this to show. Also, I have a newsletter, which I'm, I just reached um, a thousand subscribers, and I'm so happy because I share like literally everything. Like It's too much. Like I share so much that my, my ex-boyfriend once answered it because he thought it was just for him. <laughs> <laughs>
3: No,
2: slash newsletter and I really want you to join that yeah also find us on facebook the guilty feminist group it's really really fun find us on twitter at guilt and we also have instagram at the guilty feminist and please go to itunes and rate and subscribe and give it a five star rating because it really helps or as many
0: stars as you deborah, think it's, it's worth
2: not fun anymore please just get... have you rated it yet deborah no. No, it's uh, not as
0: such. I, I don't so think it's right to rate our own course. podcast. Do you think it's a good podcast
4: that you're doing? Yes, but the that's for others to I say I think it's great. Yeah. No, I mean I hadn't heard it until tonight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with Sophie That's why it's now special. guest, Abby Phillips. music was by Mark Hodge, producing the Thompson and spontaneity shop all thanks to Zoe, better and everyone at King's Face as well as all of you for listening if more information
4: about this and other episodes it's a bloody fabulous. when you when you messaged me on Facebook I assumed because I'd seen like the comedy boys going to do their podcasts and it's always about six Irish boys in a in a dirty room at the bottom of the Leicester Square Theatre <laughs> I imagine my terror when I got dropped off here. And I saw all of you in your glad rags and like this massive like marble building and 300 people.
0: No, we Proper. wanted a place where the loose smelt nice. Mm. Oh, sorry, Lister Square. No, take that out.
1: <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.